0: We now come to questions to the Prime Minister. And we start
1: with Andrew Jones.
2: Question Mr. Speaker. Prime Minister.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The whole House is talking about the result of a heavily contested election. And indeed, it is a year ago to the day, Mr. Speaker, that you were elected Speaker. <laughs> And may I, on behalf of all members, wish you, therefore a very happy anniversary, and thanks to you, Mr. Speaker, for making the speakership great again. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, this morning this morning I had I, thank you, Mr. Speaker, I, I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in this house. I shall have further such meetings later today.: Andrew Jones.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. the citywide testing trial starting in Liverpool on Friday using the new lateral flow tests will cut the time to get results, cut the spread of the virus by identifying people who are infected but not showing symptoms, and vastly reduce both the number of people and time involved in isolating. So the benefits to the NHS, to schools and to business are profound. When does the Prime Minister think the results from this trial will be available and the benefits of this extended across the UK?
1: I thank my hon. Friend. he's absolutely right, and I can tell him that the pilot is planned to last for approximately uh, two weeks, and we will keep the House updated on the results as they are evaluated.
0: The Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I start with the elections in the United States? Whatever the results, will the Prime Minister join me in saying that it is not for a candidate to decide which votes do and don't count, or when to stop counting? The next president must be the free and fair choice of the American people. (coughs) Can I also express my revulsion at the terrorist attacks in Nice and Vienna? Um, I'm sure I speak for the whole House in saying our thoughts are with all of those affected. And of course, Mr Speaker, can I join the congratulations uh, on your one year anniversary? Turning now, if I may, to COVID-19. On the 21st of September, when the government's scientific advisors indicated that a circuit break would bring the virus back under control, the number of people that day who tragically lost their lives to COVID-19 was 11. The Prime Minister ignored that advice. On Monday, 42 days later, the number of people who tragically lost their lives to COVID-19 was 397. That's a staggering 35-fold increase. Does the Prime Minister understand the human cost of his delay in acting
1: uh, well mr speaker in the answer to his uh, opening question uh, of course uh, we don't comment as a uk government on the democratic processes of our of our friends uh, and allies and i don't think he would i don't think in all seriousness he would expect uh, he would expect otherwise but mr speaker turning to the, the point about uh, about covid and the decision the difficult decision that this house has to, to face tonight i think i speak for many honourable members uh, across this House. I I don't think any government would want to impose these measures lightly or any parliament would want to impose these measures lightly on the people of this country and it was always right Mr Speaker to pursue a local and a regional approach as our scientific advisers said and I'll tell you why Mr Speaker because that approach that regional approach actually was showing signs of working and still is showing signs of working. It did get the R down, the transmission rate down lower than it would otherwise have been, Mr Speaker. But we have to face the reality that, in common with many other countries in this part of the world, we are now facing a surge in that virus which this House must now tackle with the measures we've outlined. They will expire, as honourable members know, on December the 2nd. I hope very much the members opposite will support them tonight. Mr Speaker, I am sure nobody wants a lockdown,
0: but it is a question of timing. Had the decision been taken a few weeks ago to put in place a circuit break, it could have been done for two to three weeks and taken advantage of schools being closed over half term. Now the Prime Minister's proposed lockdown will be for at least four weeks. That means businesses will be closed for longer and in the critical run-up to Christmas. Does the Prime Minister understand the economic cost
1: of his delay in acting?
2: Prime
1: <laughs> Mr Speaker, it is precisely because we understand... Uh, the economic cost. And it's precisely because we understand the social, the psychological damage of lockdowns, that it was right, Mr Speaker, to go uh, for the local and the regional solution uh, that was supported uh, by, and indeed supported by many, uh, by many members, indeed I think by the right honourable gentleman, uh, as long as it was uh, uh, useful to him uh, for for a while. That was, that was the right approach. But what I can tell him, uh, Mr Speaker, is that at the uh, expiry of this period on December the 2nd. By then, as I said in answer to my honourable friend earlier on, we will be rolling out across this country uh, new types of testing on a scale never seen before, uh, beginning uh, this week, as uh, I've said, in, in Liverpool, enabling us to detect asymptomatic te- uh, cases, Mr. Speaker. And that's crucial. But the 70% of the transmission is, is taking place, as the House knows, between people uh, who have no symptoms. Uh, and that will enable us to find new ways uh, on uh, at a mass scale to break the chains of transmission. I want to thank particularly the uh, Labour leadership of Liverpool for their cooperation, uh, a, a manner of cooperation that uh, I commend to the benches opposite.
0: Yes, Starmer. Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister's delay in acting is a huge failure of leadership, and it's no good saying that there was support for the tier system. As he well knows, I looked at the evidence and made a decision three weeks ago that the right thing was for a circuit break. And I don't buy the argument, I don't think anybody does, that the facts suddenly changed this weekend. The direction of travel and the number of infections, hospital admissions and tragically deaths have been clear for weeks. But we are where we are, Millions of people across the country are really concerned about the restrictions that will come into force at midnight tonight. And I accept that we've all got a duty to pull together and try to make this lockdown work. So I just want to ask some basic and direct questions on behalf of those millions of people. First, will the lockdown end on the 2nd of December, come what may? Or will it depend on the circumstances at the time? People need to know that.
1: Well, Mr. Speaker, I'm, I'm grateful for the for the support that he's now uh, offering, and I can uh, answer him very simply: as the House knows, and as I informed him repeatedly on Monday, the, the, these measures, these autumn measures to combat the surge, will expire automatically, Mr. Speaker, on December the second, and we will then, I hope very much, uh, be able to get this country going again to get businesses to get shops open again in the run-up to Christmas but that depends on us all doing our bit now to make sure that we get the R down. I've no doubt that we can uh, and that we and that we'll be able to go forward from December the 2nd uh, with a very very different uh, approach but of course it will be up to the House of Commons to decide thereafter what to do.
0: Mr Speaker, I accept there will be a vote in the House. That does not tell us anything. That is the process. But I want to press the Prime Minister. Is he saying that if by the 2nd of of December the R rate, the infection rate, has not come below 1, and therefore on the 2nd of, uh, of December the infection rate is still rising, still rising on the 2nd of December, Is he saying that come what may, we will come out of lockdown with infection rates going up on the 2nd of December? That doesn't seem sensible to me.
1: Speaker, Mr. Speaker, it is thanks to the efforts of the British people uh, that the R is now currently uh, only just above one, as it, as it is, uh, and uh, we are doing the right and the prudent thing at the right time uh, to get that infection rate down. And these measures, as I have said repeatedly to the House, Mr. Speaker, will expire on the 2nd of December. If he's now saying he wants to expand, the, it protract them beyond uh, the 2nd of December, then perhaps he should make his position clear. Stop? I just want some basic honesty, it, and this is serious.
0: If the infection rate if the infection rate we've got to look the public in the eye, if the infection rate is still going up on the second of December, it is madness to come out of the system back to the tiered system when we know the one thing the tiered system can't cope with is an R rate above one. That's the basic point. We can come back to it on the second of December, as we always do, Mr Speaker, but that's the point I'm making. The one thing we know a circuit break or lockdown does do is to buy time and the prime minister needs to use that time to fix test and trace and i know he'll talk about the capacity of 500,000 what's going on in liverpool it's world beating etc but we've been going round and round in circles on this mr speaker the latest figures show that 113,000 contacts were not even reached and that's just in one week only 20% of those who should be isolating are doing so and the majority of people still don't get results in 24 hours So can the Prime Minister give a straight answer? What's he going to do in the next four weeks to fix this?
1: Because if he doesn't, we'll be back here again. Mr Speaker, i with greatest respect to the Right Honourable Gentleman uh, who has uh, stood up uh, and said uh, that I will brag uh, about NHS Test and Trace and their achievement of 500,000, a target of capacity of 500,000. You know, I think uh, uh, I'm perfectly willing to accept the failings of NHS Test and Trace. Of course I am. And and of course, I take full responsibility for the frustrations people have experienced with that system. But to go from 3,000 tests a day, 2,000 tests a day, to 500,000 is a quite remarkable feat. It's the biggest diagnostics exercise this country has ever carried out. And, Mr. Speaker, they are they are helping to drive down the R, Uh, and, and it is they are doing, in my view, an absolutely invaluable job, whatever the difficulties they face. What we now need to do is to come together as a nation, briefly if we can, to put aside party political wrangling and point scoring, and work together, as I think he will tonight, work together to support this package, to get the R down and allow us to go forward in a different way with the mass testing that I've outlined from December the second.
0: Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister must see that if four out of ten of those that should be contacted are not being contacted, we have got a problem in the system that needs to be fixed in the next four weeks. Finally, I want to ask about care homes, which of course were hit so badly in the first wave of this pandemic. And can I pay tribute, Mr Speaker, to all those working in care homes who have given such dedication and commitment in the toughest of circumstances, and we owe it to them not to repeat the mistakes of the first wave? But, Prime Minister, as we face the second wave, there is an increasing concern about the emotional wellbeing of those in care homes and their families if all visits uh, are stopped. It must be possible to find a way, perhaps a dedicated family member scheme of some sort, to allow some safe visits to alleviate the huge fears of isolation and despair across the coming months. Will the Prime Minister work cross-party to find a scheme that will work for those in care and their families?
1: Mr Speaker, uh, the new new guidance on uh, care homes and visiting uh, relatives safely, because the, the point he makes is incredibly important, uh, is going to be uh, announced t- today to try to strike the right balance between people's uh, real, real need to uh, see their loved ones and obviously the risk of spreading the disease in care homes. We're going to be publishing uh, some guidance about how that can be done today. Uh, and I- I'm, you know, I'm grateful to, to his offer to work uh, collaboratively, but I have to say, Mr Speaker, that the House will generally have noted that he has used this crisis uh, as an opportunity to make uh, political capital, to have, to have what I think a, shadow, a shadow, uh, shadow spokesman called a good crisis. A good crisis, Mr. Speaker. Well, can I commend a different approach? Because he's attacked the government's uh, strategy. Uh, can I commend a different approach? Because the former uh, Labour leader, the Right Honourable former member for, for Sedgefield, uh, who is not as fashionable in, in, on those benches as he once uh, was or, sh- or, or should be, has written a good uh, not, 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 but not with all of them, Mr Speaker that's on the front bench, but not with all of them he's written a good piece in today's Daily Mail uh, Mr Speaker, in which he supports, broadly supports this government's strategy, praising UK drugs companies for what they're, they're doing supporting our search for a vaccine and supporting mass testing in Liverpool, uh, which uh, he deprecates, Mr Speaker and uh, I think he, uh, he what he should do is actually take a leaf out of uh, the Blair book, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, And by the way, way, I can tell him uh, that Tony Blair would not have spent four years in the same shadow cabinet as Jeremy Corbyn, uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with him. Nick Fletcher. Mr Speaker,
0: I understand the position the government is in today, and although this is desperately hard for people and businesses, I agree that it was the right decision However, once we are through this period, I believe it is business that will restore the economy. Therefore, does my right hon. Friend agree with me that easing congestion in the south-east with the border control point in Don Valley would help trade flow through the country and level up the north following the transition period?
1: Uh, well, my honourable friend is, is absolutely right and uh, uh, I can tell him that the Department of Transport uh, is it, o- already engaged uh, on this matter and I'm sure would be happy to meet him and representatives uh, from the i that he describes.
2: Right.
0: Let's just head up to the leader of the SNP up in Scotland with Ian Blackford. Ian
2: Blackford. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. And I'd like to take the opportunity to send my best wishes to our friends in the US during this anxious time. Donald Trump claimed an unsupported victory and major fraud with millions of legitimate ballots left to count. And I hope the Prime Minister will join me in condemning his actions this morning. Mr Speaker, on Monday, the Prime Minister agreed access to the furlough scheme at 80% for Scotland if lockdown restrictions require it. Subsequently, a number of his ministers have rolled back on that promise and the Scottish Government have not received any detail on what the commitment means in practice. Today is the Prime Minister's opportunity to clear up this mess of his own government's making. Will Scotland receive full 80% furlough and self-employed payments on current eligibility whenever it is requested by the Scottish Government in the months ahead? Mr. Well,
1: Mr Speaker, I uh, hesitate to accuse the right honourable gentleman of failing to listen to what I said on on Monday, but I think he heard exactly uh, what I said. I gave a commitment, then I in no way budge uh, from that uh, commitment. Furlough is a UK-wide scheme. Uh, It's helped save, I think, about 10 million jobs uh, in this country, including about a million in Scotland, Mr Speaker.
2: Ian Blackford. Well, of course... What the Prime Minister said on Monday is that if the devolved administrations asked for it, then it would be granted. That was a direct answer that he gave to a question. So can I ask uh, whether, Mr Speaker, the Scottish Government, who've been waiting for clarity on whether Scotland will receive additional money as the result of increased spending from English local government? And is there also no clarity on whether the unlimited payments for business support in England will be made available on a similar demand-led basis? Will the Prime Minister clarify these two points now and commit to confirm in writing to the Scottish Government today that the access to the furlough scheme will be there if they need it?
1: Minister. Mr Speaker I think perhaps the most efficient thing I can uh, tell the right honourable gentleman is that uh, my right honourable friend the Chancellor uh, will be making a, a general uh, statement as, as you can imagine uh, Mr Speaker about all the support all the provisions that we're making uh, for this latest phase to tackle the autumn surge uh, of coronavirus tomorrow uh, and uh, what, I can, what I can tell him uh, just to repeat the points that I've made uh, on Barnet consequential So there's already been 7.2 billion uh, gone to uh, helped, uh, in £7.2 10.2 billion, I, I should say, uh, for Scotland. And we'll, we'll look, Mr Speaker, we're going to support people in Scotland and throughout the UK uh, during this crisis.
0: Joe Anderson. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister recognise the importance of places of worship to my constituents in Wolverhampton and the rest of the country? And does he agree they should open as soon as practically possible? And will he commend all the work that has been done in these places to make them Covid secure?
1: Um, Mr Speaker, first I thank uh, my honourable friend for campaigning for places of worship in the way that he does. Second, I am so, so deeply sorry that uh, these restrictions have to be placed uh, right now, uh, but uh, we will work uh, as hard as we can and as fast as we can uh, to make sure uh, that uh, we uh, allow them to, to come back uh, in the way, and to, to worship in the way that they want uh, from uh, December the 2nd, and that is why I hope that the House will pa- pass this package of measures tonight.
2: Sorry. Thank you, Mr Speaker. If every vote is counted in the US election it is likely that Joe Biden will be the victor. The Prime Minister does have a major challenge to build relationships to any incoming administration. So therefore, in light of Joe Biden's entirely correct analysis of the impact on the Good Friday Agreement of the Internal Market Bill, how quickly is the Prime Minister going to recognise the inevitable and remove those clauses from the bill?
1: Um, Mr Speaker, the, the UK Internal Market Bill, uh, which has cross-party support, is a, a vital part of the, uh, the armature, the, the, the skeletal uh, structure of the whole UK economy uh, as we leave the, the European Union, and uh, it ensures that goods placed on the market, services uh, placed, uh, are, 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 are available throughout the UK on the same terms. It's absolutely vital for our country, and uh, uh, he should support it.
2: That's right, Mr Speaker, with the UK terror threat levels now at severe, following the horrific attacks in Paris and now in Vienna by cowardly Islamic State terrorists, the whole House joins the Prime Minister's heartfelt solidarity with our French and Austrian allies. Does my right hon. Friend agree with me that here in the UK we must redouble our support for anti-extremism programmes like PREVENT? And does the Prime Minister share my concerns over UK-based TV channels like Islam TV, which this week was just fined by Ofcom for giving airtime to extremist preachers who justify anti-Semitism, wife-beating and FGM? Yes.
1: Yes, Mr. Speaker. Uh, my right hon. Friend is absolutely right, and we stand shoulder to shoulder with France, as I've uh, told President Macron, shoulder to shoulder uh, with Austria, as I've told uh, Chancellor uh, Kurtz, in our joint war uh, against this uh, this abominable uh, ideology. And uh, together, we will defeat it, Mr. Speaker. Gareth Thomas. Uh, I hope, Mr. Speaker, that the Prime Minister and the Chancellor now regret their decision not to extend
0: free school meals to cover half term. And we'll join the richly deserved praise for all those community groups, yeah. councils and indeed businesses who stepped up to stop our nation's children going hungry last yeah. week. So will the Prime Minister now commit to do the right thing at Christmas and extend free school meals to cover that period too?
1: Uh, Well, Mr. Speaker, uh, uh, yes, I do indeed congratulate all the voluntary organisations. I'm proud that have stepped on. I'm proud that this government has also uh, helped to fund them to the tune of of billions of pounds, uh, not just the £9 billion increase in universal uh, credit, uh, but of course uh, an extra £1.1 billion uh, going to to help councils. Mr. Speaker, this government will ensure that no child goes hungry this Christmas, this winter, thanks to any in- in- inattention or inactivity by Government. And never forget, Mr Speaker, that it was the Conservative Government that instituted free school meals for five-, six-, and seven-year-olds after all the years Labour were in power.
0: Not Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister will remember watching the new electric London taxi being made in my constituency, and he'll be pleased to hear that the companies this week started production of a van. But this year has been a tough one for the automotive sector, with manufacturing output at its lowest level for 25 years. It would benefit massively from the certainty of knowing that components and vehicles will be able to move free of tariffs between the UK and countries of the European Union from the, from the new year. Uh, can you provide good news about concluding a deal with the EU to the sector, its workers and their families?
1: Well, Mr. Speaker, I do indeed believe that such a deal would be massively uh, in the interests of our EU friends and partners, as uh, as well as anybody else. But uh, that is, of course, up to up to them. What I can tell him. And what I can tell him is that uh, we are supporting green technology of all kinds, Mr. Speaker, and particularly hybrid and battery uh, vehicles, and uh, we've just put another £49 million uh, into grants for exactly the kind of uh, vehicles that he and I have I- inspected and, uh, and driven together, so that this country can bounce back greener, Mr. Speaker. Mr.
0: Right, Mr. Speaker. The government will be aware of the staggering increase in domestic abuse with the pandemic, with refuge reporting a 50% increase in their use of their hotline. Meanwhile, the employers' initiative on domestic abuse, which is predecessor, supports, warn of huge risks by home working to many people facing domestic abuse. Domestic abuse has no borders. So, can the prime minister ensure that the UK government, before a second in English lockdown begins? produces a well-resourced plan for addressing domestic abuse. And will he join me and South (coughs) Wales Police and members from across this House in himself becoming a member of the Employers' Initiative on Domestic Abuse to send a clear signal that no one should have to live with violence in their homes?
1: Uh, Mr Speaker, he's, he's, he's entirely right in the sense that although the absolute numbers... Uh, haven't gone up, perhaps, in the way that uh, we, we'd feared. What we're unquestionably seeing is repeat victimization. In a domestic context, it is intolerable. Uh, as, as the House knows, we've set up uh, helplines to, uh, to tackle it. Uh, we're, we're investing in, in refuges, refuges, in, uh, in IDVAs, and, and independent domestic violence uh, advisors. Uh, it is absolutely crucial that we tackle the scourge of domestic abuse and that we also deal with the consequences, the mental health consequences uh, for, for the victims and that 's why we're investing massively uh, in mental health and mental health charities as well.
0: I did jump in.
2: Thank you. Mr, Speaker, uh, an independent study published recently suggests that the writing ability of year seven pupils is some twenty two months behind expectations. And my right
1: hon. Friend will know that it is the life chances of the most disadvantaged that are hit hardest when schools close. These are the very children, quite rightly, that we have
2: said are an absolute priority for this Government. So, can I ask my right hon. Friend the Prime Minister for an assurance that first, we will do whatever it takes to make up for lost ground and second, we will never again contemplate closing
1: our schools. Uh, thank, I thank my right honourable friend, and he's, he's completely right about the paramount importance of keeping uh, our schools open. Uh, uh, but what I will also say to him is that uh, out of the, this crisis has uh, come, uh, uh, been born at least one, I think, potentially innovative idea that can really help exactly the, the types of, of kids' pupils that he's, he's talking about, and that is one-on-one tutoring of the kind that we've been able uh, to support with our catch-up premiums and our national tutoring programme. And I want to see, uh, as we go forward, as we come out of this pandemic, I want to see us keeping up with one-on-one tutoring because I believe it can make a huge difference uh, to the confidence of, of, of children and to their academic attainment. Sam so Mr Speaker, I'm going to put on record my congratulations on your first year. And I want to thank
0: so many young MPs you've given across in the past year. Mr Speaker... Sage recommended a circuit baker over six weeks ago. Six weeks ago. The Prime Minister has clearly not listened to scientific or medical advice for more than six weeks. What will the Prime Minister say to the 12,000 people's families who will die by Christmas? Die by Christmas, that's been forecast by Sage. What will you say to Mr
1: Prime Minister? I, I listen to a huge range of, of scientific advice and indeed there are, there are eminent uh, scientists and epidemiologists who say that you shouldn't do any kind of lockdowns any kind of, uh, any kind of measures like this at all I have David Nabarro uh, who I esteem greatly of the, of the World Health Organisation uh, for instance but you have to take a balanced decision you have to strike a judgement about when the right moment is you have to balance the effect the, you know, he talks about the long term effects on people's lives uh, you, you have to strike a, a, make a balanced judgement about uh, the effects on uh, people's mental health on their livelihoods, on their prospects the prospects of young people and uh, the importance of, of saving lives and protecting our NHS and that's the balance we're trying to strike tonight I hope you will support it
2: Thank you Mr Speaker In a few short weeks we end the transition period with the European Union May I ask the Prime Minister to confirm that the transition team will endeavour to keep Dover clear from traffic gridlock and that work will continue at pace on the proposed upgrade to the A2 between Whitfield and Dover's eastern docks.
1: Well, Mr Speaker, I I thank my honourable friend and I congratulate her on her campaign uh, for the the people of Dover and I can tell her uh, that Highways England is now, uh, I think thanks to her lobbying, developing plans to improve Brenly Corner Junction and access into Dover along the remaining single carriageway sections of the A2 from Lydon, Mr Speaker.
2: Heading up to Scotland with Carol Monaghan. Carol Monaghan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I asked the Prime Minister on Monday whether furlough would be available to different nations and regions of the UK as and when required. His response, which he has repeated today, was furlough is a UK-wide scheme. Yes, we understand that. However, to the Honourable Member for Murray, he responded... If other parts of the UK decide to go into measures that require the furlough scheme, then of course it is available to them. Millions of people need clarification on this from the Prime Minister. Will 80% furlough be available to specific regions beyond the 2nd of December if they need to lock down because of rising infections? Prime Minister.
1: Uh, Mr Speaker, I hesitate to uh, accuse the Honourable Lady of not listening to what I've just said, but uh, I want to repeat I want to repeat that the furlough is a UK-wide scheme. Of course, uh, it will continue to be available uh, to the people of Scotland. And for any further elucidation on the details of the entire package of support uh, that this uh, Government is bringing for the people of the entire UK, uh, I-, I direct her to what my Right Honourable friend, the Chancellor, is going to say tomorrow.
0: Mr Goodmore. A um, potential vaccine uh, for COVID provides us all uh, with hope, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Hope that is thanks to investment in research and development. The Prime Minister has pledged more money for research than any of his predecessors put together to deliver on his uh, vision of the United Kingdom as a global science superpower. Does he agree that maintaining this government's commitment to spend 2.4%? of GDP on research and development by 2027 will also be essential for that vision.
1: Mr Speaker, you've asked for, for speed in my answers. The answer is basically yes. Uh, but uh, I, can, I can also uh, reiterate uh, that we're committed to, to the 2.4% and uh, to increasing public investment in R&D uh, by, uh, to, by £22 billion, uh, by 2024-2025.
2: John Mora. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My constituent, Ricky Wilson, is one of the excluded. From nothing, he built a private coach business with 18 employees and a million in turnover until COVID. Coaches aren't classed as either tourism or leisure, so you can't get any grants, and the banks won't accept his assets for loan guarantees. This may be just a photo up to the Prime Minister, but they matter in the North and also in Northern Ireland which has just announced a special fund. Will the Prime Minister do the same and will he write to me to explain how we can protect those threatened by personal debt guarantees?
1: Well, well, Mr. Speaker, I'm I'm very, very interested in what uh, the honourable lady says because, as she knows, this government is investing massively in, in, uh, I think, 5,000 low-carbon buses. I'd be interested to know what what type of uh, buses or coaches she's uh, she's talking about, and 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 very, very interested to hear the details of the company that she rightly rightly represents. But uh, that company should be eligible for bounce-back loans, should be eligible for all sorts of supports. And since she's she's shaking her head, uh, can I invite her to write to me? Uh, with details of the needs of that company I'll do my best to oblige her Thank
2: you Mr Speaker Northern communities including my Cheadle constituents have already been subject to restrictions for months having a disproportionate effect on Northern livelihoods The importance of the Prime Minister's levelling-up agenda has never been starker. So today can I ask him if he would fast-track infrastructure spending in the north, including northern powerhouse rail and a new train station in Cheadle, (laughs) and will the Government, with northern MPs and business leaders, formulate a northern economic recovery plan to make sure our region comes out of this pandemic stronger than ever?
1: Uh, well, Mr Speaker, I can certainly confirm that we are going to go ahead with Northern Powerhouse Rail, and I can tell her, in addition, that Cheadle will receive at least £500,000 from the Towns Fund to support uh, your local, uh, their local high street uh, and local community.
2: Thompson.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Mr Speaker, Midlothian has got a long and proud mining heritage, from the Lady Victoria to Wilson Glen in Moncton Hall, so I very much welcome the uh, announcement from the Scottish Government last week of a general pardon to those criminalised for events of the 1984 minor strike. <clears throat> there are still unanswered questions which fall to the remit of the UK Government, including issues around political interference. Will the Prime Minister commit today to undertaking a UK-wide independent review to ensure the experiences of minors are fully understood to bring reconciliation to minors and police officers and to try to heal the wounds of the past?
1: Well, I... I'm very grateful to uh, the honourable gentleman. I think he's raising the, the, ni- the 1983 uh, minus, or the, or the early, early 1980s uh, at any rate. I, I, I would be obliged to him if he would uh, send me further uh, detailed particulars of, of the concerns he has, and I will do my best uh, to address
2: them. Thank you
1: Mr Speaker. Will my hon. friend join me in thanking the teachers across Elmett and Rothwell for keeping schools open this term? And does he share my frustration that half of the laptops provided by him to Lee City Council for distribution to the most vulnerable learners in the city remain in the storeroom at Lee Civic Hall? What can be done to get the Labour Council to pull their socks up? Well uh, Mr Speaker that is indeed I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, to my honourable friend. And that is indeed disappointing because uh, over 2,500 lapso- laptops and tablets uh, and 400 routers were delivered to Leeds City Council uh, for disadvantaged 10 uh, year old uh, pupils. And uh, I think we should, uh, we will, I will do whatever I can to spring those laptops from the cupboard uh, as fast as I can, Mr. Speaker.
0: Let's head up to Manchester see if they're in the cupboard with Jeff Smith. Jeff Smith.
2: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On Monday, the Prime Minister was asked why people in Greater Manchester were offered less support under Tier 3 than is available under the new restrictions, and he said that these are different measures, so required different support packages. But if your workplace is closed under Tier 3 restrictions, you lose your income just as surely as if your workplace is closed under the new national lockdown. So why should people receive less help from the government if we go back into Tier 3 after December 2nd?
1: But, Mr. Speaker, they're, they're they're not going to. And uh, the, the 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 furlough scheme as he knows was extended until the end of uh, of October. Uh, we're putting in uh, measures now to support people across the whole of the UK uh, throughout this period to the to the 2nd of, of December, and that's the right thing to do, Mr. Speaker. We're, we're putting our arms around the people of this country to get them through uh, the pandemic uh, and and beyond, Mr. Speaker.
2: Good morning. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I understand that the Prime Minister will soon receive a recommendation from the Departments of Health and Transport to enable quarantine periods to be cut for those passengers that have tested COVID negative. Can I ask the Prime Minister when a decision is likely to be made uh, and if he will look favourably on this proposal to allow the aviation industry to get back uh, to its rightful place in this country?
1: Well, I, I, I thank my honourable friend. He's right to lobby for the, the aviation industry. This country has the third biggest aviation industry in the world, uh, Mr Speaker. It's currently having a terrible, terrible time, and my sympathies are very much with, uh, with all, the, uh, all the employees involved. Uh, one of the benefits of getting PCR testing up to 500,000 a day, Mr. Speaker, is we do have uh, new possibilities uh, for testing uh, of all kinds across the country. Uh, we will be bringing forward uh, further measures and further uh, proposals as soon as they are finalised, Mr. Speaker. Aye.
2: Mr. Speaker, yeah. in my short time as an MP for the City of Durham, Dominic Cummins has fatally undermined public health messaging, has historic planning violations exposed and has shortchanged us with an unpaid council tax bill of up to £50,000. Will the Prime Minister condemn this continued flouting of the rules or does he have a blind spot that even a trip to Bonnet Castle can't fix?
1: Yeah. Uh, Mr Speaker, I think what has uh, possibly undermined uh, people's confidence and understanding of, of what the government is trying to do uh, is the constant party political point scoring and attempts to and attempts to obscure obscure what we're we're trying to do uh, by uh, the Labour Party and by the, the, the honourable. I think the best thing uh, is to advise her constituents uh, what to, to do to follow the guidance uh, to get the virus down and, and let's all do it t- together. Let's head up to Middlesbrough with Simon Clark. Simon Clark
2: Thank you, uh, Mr Speaker. Leveling up will matter more than ever as we emerge from the pandemic next year. And I was delighted to see the first town deals announced last week, uh, delivering transformative investment for places like Darlington. Will my right honourable friend prioritise rapid decision-making for those places like Middlesbrough and Loftus that have applications pending for this vital fund?
1: Uh, Yes, indeed, Mr Speaker. And I, I, I congratulate him for uh, lobbying for Middlesbrough in the way that he does. I can tell him that uh, Tees Valley is already uh, getting £126 million from the Local Growth Fund. Uh, The devolution deal will uh, mean £450 million uh, extra for transport skills and employment, and Middlesbrough uh, itself will get at least £500,000 from the Towns Fund, Mr Speaker, thanks at least in part to his lobbying.
2: Mr Speaker, and can I join the congratulations to you on your first year anniversary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Private care homes such as St Martin's in my constituency of Liverpool Wavertree are closing due to under-occupancy, making them financially unviable. But moving people into new care settings, especially during a pandemic, is full of risk. With the winter care plan for- failing short, will the Prime Minister commit now to providing additional funding... Specifically for spatial care to help local authorities meet their statutory responsibilities and prevent further care home closures
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, she uh, 's right to draw attention to the issue, Mr Speaker, and uh, in addition to the six hundred million pound uh, care home action. Uh, plan that we, uh, that we announced uh, earlier this year. We will be putting further funding into care homes in the short term, uh, but also making sure that we have long-term reform uh, of, of that sector. And as I said to, to the Right Honourable Gentleman uh, earlier, uh, uh, we will be uh, bringing out uh, guidance today, specific guidance to enable uh, people to visit loved ones uh, in the way uh, that they, they, they should and they must. Heading to Lincoln with Carl McCartney. Carl
0: McCartney. Thank you, Speaker. My right honourable friend and I share similar libertarian views, and I guess that some decisions he has taken for the country's common good were contrary to his personal creed and feelings. While those of us with higher political morals than Captain Hindsight on the benches opposite have sought to do our collective best during recent times, what well, does my right honourable friend believe are the views regarding anti-Semitism following the recent EHRC report that the current leader of the opposition, a knight of the realm no less, holds now? Does my right honourable friend believe they are any different to those he displayed when serving the member for Islington North?
1: Uh, Mr Speaker, I, 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 the only comment I would make on all that was that I was genuinely amazed that uh, the leader of the Unite union should uh, make a remark of the kind uh, that he did and that the Labour Party should remain uh, in receipt of funding uh, from Unite or take no steps to dissociate themselves uh, from that union after that remark. I did find it absolutely astonishing, Mr Speaker. Final question, Rook Jones. Thank you,
2: Mr Speaker, and happy anniversary. This week, the Chair of the Health Select Committee stated that centralised contact tracing is always going to be less effective than a locally driven model. And given the fact that in Wales, track and trace costs £32 a head, it's run by local authorities and works, whereas the English system costs £1,700 a head, it's run centrally and doesn't, when will the Prime Minister introduce a more effective track and trace system driven by local authorities?
1: Look, Mr Speaker, I'm I'm, I'm not going to... uh, pretend that uh, every aspect of of NHS test and trace has worked in the way that I wanted it to, but it has, as I said uh, earlier on, it has achieved some very considerable things. But what I think it has also done... Throughout the pandemic, from the, from the get-go, it has worked with local uh, authorities and with, 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 with local people. And what we will be doing now, as we roll out the mass testing that I've described to the House in, in Liverpool and elsewhere, will be led uh, by local people, we'll be, and we will be working uh, with those local authorities to deliver those programmes.